0: Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Would please remain standing as I read our scripture lesson this morning. I'll be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning with the 32nd verse. Here are these words. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. For you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk, for he was not used to them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them, and then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into your hand. When the Philistines drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell down on the ground. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. We were talking about how, earlier, about how we take a story like David and Goliath and we make it age-appropriate for a children's sermon. So we try to refrain from mentioning kill during the children's sermon and maybe just making it a knockdown instead course, the kids, most of them know this story because they learn it in Sunday school or they learn it in vacation Bible school, but for whatever reason, we tend to not bring it into the sanctuary or preach it from the pulpit until right now. So during the month of June, we are looking at what we call epic tales. Epic tales are from the Bible. These are stories that are big and they're dramatic and they capture our imagination and last week we talked about Daniel in the lion's den and that was certainly an epic tale that captured our imagination and today we're looking at another old testament story and this one of course like Daniel in the lion's den is larger than life it's David and Goliath one old testament scholar has noted that of all the stories of David The one, this one, separates as close as one can, represents as close as one can come in the Hebrew Bible to an epic style of storytelling. It is rich and explicit in detail, vivid in dialogue. It has a strong characterization and interaction of characters. And David's bold actions and unwavering faith, they capture our imagination. When we hear the names, David and Goliath, we immediately begin to conjure up in our minds a huge giant and a scrawny little shepherd boy. So much has the story of David and Goliath captured our imagination that it has influenced literature. It has influenced art, history, and music. The story has actually transcended the scriptures because you don't have to be uh, a person of faith, you don't have to be someone who claims a Jewish faith or a Christian faith because you know the story of David and Goliath already. It is one of the most famous of the stories and there is a statue that is also one of the most famous and that is Michelangelo's David. It's a great marble statue and we think of Goliath as a giant, but instead Michelangelo has portrayed David as the giant. The statue from Michelangelo is about 17 feet tall, and David has been admired for five centuries. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of artwork. Michelangelo's statue of David, if you've seen it, is of a young David, and he's standing there, and in his right hand... He has a stone, and by his side, he, he has a sack. And if you look at the back of the statue, you'll see his sling crossed by his back. And it's the, it's the sling that he uses to throw at the giant. And the statue itself is actually after he has slayed the giant. And he is standing there. His stance is victorious. It's beautiful. And Michelangelo gets it right because David proves that he is bigger and stronger and bolder than any giant. David has often been betrayed as the underdog. And in many ways, this is true. The Israelite army is near the Valley of Elah. They are facing the Philistines. They are each on a hill, and in between them is this deep valley. King Saul was with his men. They are in full armor. They are ready for battle. But there's a deadlock. Goliath, the Philistine, he comes forward. He is himself said to be nine feet tall. And he steps forward and he challenges King Saul to put up his best man to fight him. A one-on-one, a single combat. And... May the best man win and whoever wins, that other side then will come and be slaves so that really only one man will die. The Israelites naturally are intimidated by Goliath. Who wouldn't be? By his size, by his appearance, by his scorecard of victories, by his taunts, by his confidence, By his armor that weighs close to 125 pounds. Not to mention, he's a boaster, which means he has no humility. He says, select one of your best men. He shouts this out, and he stands there waiting for a contender, boldly, full of himself. For 40 days, he does this. Every day, he comes out, and he taunts the Israelites. They're shaking in their boots. And then David shows up. David's a shepherd boy. He's the youngest of eight boys. His three older brothers are on the battlefield. He's out tending sheep in Bethlehem, and his father says, I have these things that you need to take to your brother, bread and cheese. These are provisions. Take them to your brothers who are on the front line, and then report back to me with what you see. And so David does this. And he goes, and when he's there, he sees Goliath. And he asks the question, what will the man who kills the giant gain? And who is this Philistine that he should defy God? Well, David's eldest brother hears him talking, and he's wondering, what on earth are you doing here? Why are you here on this battlefield? You shouldn't be here. You have no business being here. You need to get on back home to Bethlehem and tend to the sheep. You don't care about what's happening here. You're here for the show of it. You know, typical Big Brother stuff. But David, he, he doesn't stop. He is not intimidated even by his own brothers because word gets to King Saul about what David is asking and what David is saying. And so... He goes up to King Saul, and he says this, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Here is this young boy who is a shepherd saying these things to King Saul. Well, let's just stop there for a moment, if we will. Let's just stop there for a moment. Hundreds of men are on each side of this battlefield. Daring to go up against Goliath is a shepherd boy. The threats of this giant are causing the Israelite army to be anxious and to be stressful in an already very, very stressful situation because it's a standoff. And then David shows up, and I think this is where we see what he's made of. He doesn't pay any attention to his brothers chastising him and telling him to go home. He doesn't back down. When the king questions him, he says, well, he can go and fight Goliath. He's went out and tended to his sheep and fought the bears and the lions, and he can do these things. And he's not going to have some Philistine defying his god. It's the classic story of the underdog. His chances of winning are near zero. But he doesn't care. He's not going to stand by and let this giant... Offend his God without a fight. He won't have it. We like stories of the underdog. We like these stories. It's popular in our culture. It's in movies. It's in sports. It's in history. We like these stories of the underdog because we want to see the least likely person win. And maybe we think that if the underdog wins, then maybe we too have a chance of winning. So, when an underdog is victorious, it gives us hope. It gives us hope. So, think about all the underdog stories. The first one that comes to mind is Rocky, and you heard that when the kids came forward the Rocky theme. Who doesn't like Rocky? When you hear that, I mean, I can do that. I tried to play it at the 9 o'clock service, but that's why Nicole played it for the kids. I mean, you start to get pumped up when you start to hear that theme song from Rocky. Or what about the movie Miracle? I mentioned that a couple Sundays ago. The 1980s US Olympic hockey team playing Russia right in the middle of the Cold War. Who would have thought that they could have gotten that far? And yet they did. They were the underdog. And what about the movie Rudy? Have you seen Rudy? Who doesn't love Rudy? Rudy finally gets to do a walk-on and play for his favorite football team, Notre Dame. And I just learned that, you may know this, say what you will, Tom Brady, (laughs) Tom Brady was the 199th pick in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL Draft. Teams gauged him to be more of a backup quarterback, which was why he was drafted, as the fourth string quarterback for the New England Patriots and today, he's a household name. What about Oscar Schindler and Schindler's List? How on earth was he able to save so many Jews from the Nazis? And then when we think about our own history, we think about Abraham Lincoln, a poor, a poor lawyer country lawyer for that. We know the stories of Lincoln. And yet, this was the man who made his way to the White House and signed the Emancipation Proclamation ending slavery. What we see with underdogs, what we see with them, is they don't give up. They keep at it even when it seems like all else will fail. They keep going. They're not deterred. They do not retreat. They are not afraid of failure. They are not concerned when people tell them that they can't do something or shouldn't do something. They do it anyway. They don't focus on what people think of them, even if people will not like them. They'll do it anyway. David stood there that day in Elah, looking out at the valley and looking at Goliath. And he was not intimidated. He wasn't afraid of failure. He knew the way of God, and he knew that God does not look on the outside, that God is most concerned with what is on the inside. And we know that David had a heart that strove only after God. He loved the Lord. That's what matters most. And so David had heart, and he had determination and faith in his God the God of Israel, who he knew could do anything, even bring down a mighty giant. Underdogs, we we like, we like underdogs, don't we? We like underdogs. And David was indeed an underdog. King Saul agrees. He agrees to let David fight the giant. No one else is stepping up, so he does. So Saul gives him his armor, but it doesn't fit him. So David takes off the armor and he says, you know what, I'm gonna do it my way. And I think that's important for us to know that we can't do something someone else's way. We have to do it our own way. We just gotta go with what we know. So David, he takes off the armor and he goes over to the creek and he picks up five small, smooth stones and he puts them in his shepherd's bag And with his shepherd's staff and the stones and his sack, of course, his sling, he makes his way, and he faces the giant. And Goliath laughs at him and calls him a dog. Again, David is not deterred. He doesn't care if he's been insulted by this Goliath. He doesn't back down. He has full confidence that God is with him and that God is going to allow him to be victorious. And with one stone, David takes his sling and slings it at the giant, hits him in the head, and he falls down. The battle's over, and David and the Lord win. Malcolm Gladwell has written a book about David and Goliath, and it's called David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants. And in it, he says this. What the Israelites saw from on high on the ridge was an intimidating giant. In reality, the very thing that gave the giant his size was also one of his greatest weaknesses. There is an important lesson in that for battles with all kinds of giants. The powerful and the strong are not always what they seem. Goliath's weakness is his arrogance, it's his pride, it's his boasting, it's his ability to only see things on the outside rather than looking toward the heart of things. Could have seen so much more if he had seen David in just a little bit more than just a shepherd boy. And I think this is the message that we need to hear today. To not just look at the outside of people, To not just look at the outside of things, but to look at the inside, to look at the heart, to look at the motives of people. David was not motivated by self-interest or what others thought of him. He was motivated by serving and loving and giving himself to God. And he wasn't going to let anybody defy his God. He wasn't concerned that he was just a shepherd boy. He wasn't concerned with what his brothers thought. He didn't care that he was the youngest of the kids. He didn't care that he didn't have the right armor on. He took what he knew and he used it all for God's glory. We underestimate the the underdogs. There's a a YouTube video, and uh, I really, I watch it periodically. I really enjoy it. It's uh, the story of Susan Boyle. If that name rings a bell, Susan Boyle was one of the contestants on Britain's Got Talent. And she comes out on stage, and the audience, you can tell, is starting to laugh at her. She's not attractive. She's dowdy, and she's a little quirky. And she goes out there, and she stands there, and they start to scan the audience, and you can see them sort of mocking her and scoffing a little bit at her. And so she says that she is going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis. She wants to be a professional singer. She's been singing in her church choir, and now she wants to sing professionally. And they laugh at her. They're laughing at her until she begins to sing and when she starts to sing the most beautiful voice comes out of her and they scan the audience and you begin to see these lights coming on in people's eyes and on their faces because they didn't think that such a beautiful voice would come from someone that looked like that she was victorious because she didn't even let people who made fun of her stop her from doing what she knew that God had called her to do, to share her gift of music. Believe it or not, when the church first began, it was an underdog. The church was an underdog. It was a ragamuffin group of followers, there was a, some fishermen, it was a zealot, it was a tax collector, and some women. They were following Jesus of Nazareth, who was to be the Messiah, who was raised from the dead. The Romans didn't pay much attention to them, and the Jews, they just thought that they were going to go away. That is until Pentecost and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon the people. And then it eventually got a hold of Paul, and Paul changed the world with his zealous faithfulness in following Christ. He would defy the greatest of odds. In fact, he says this. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. The Christian movement was not expected to succeed. We are people whose roots are deep and whose family tree is made of underdogs. Because it doesn't matter that we're fighting Goliaths. It doesn't matter which Goliaths we face. As long as we are faithful to God, God is on our side. So we are to be bold. We are meant to be courageous. And not to look for the approval of others, but to stand our ground. And if we fall, to get back up. And if we fall again, to get back up again. And if we fall, and if we fall, and if we fall, we keep getting back up. Because underdogs never give up. Because God never gives up. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at MariettaFUMC.